0: And really, Easter means a lot of things to a lot of different people, but really, Easter is all about a five-letter word, a five-letter word, and that five-letter word tonight is grace, G-R-A-C-E. E. That's what Easter is all about. Easter is all about God sending Jesus for us. Not that we deserved it. Not that, not that we deserved to be cleaned up. We, we probably deserved to be taken into the house and having our rears busted. But what Jesus did is he says, you know what? Because I have grace, not because you deserve it, because I'm good, I come and I clean you up. And I love that. And, and see, grace, we, when we talk about grace, you're like, well, what, what does grace mean? What does grace look like? Grace has a face. Do you know that? Grace has a face. And the face of grace is Jesus. Another five letter word J E S U S. So, really, Easter is all about five letter words. It's about grace and it's about Jesus. We're talking about five tonight. We're going to talk a little bit. About the number five, and I know that might seem a little unconventional uh, for Easter, but uh, hey, man, we're talking about Jesus. So if we're talking about Jesus, it's a it's a good time for Easter. Come on, are you with me? And uh, so, John chapter one, verse one says this: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Everybody say all things. Through him, all things were made. Without him, was made, um, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That word dwelling means that it says this, that Jesus came and made his home among us. So when God became flesh through Jesus, he made earth his home. Oh, somebody. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace, five-letter word, and truth, five-letter word. From the fullness of grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. I I love uh, one translation says this, we all receive grace upon grace it was like, just when you think that you've got enough, just when you think you've got enough grace and God's got you where he wants you, there's grace upon grace. Our life is grace upon grace, glory upon glory. This is where God has placed us in our lives. He's all about the progressive. It's all about the next thing. We need to embrace the season where we're at to a certain degree. We want to we learn from that, but God always has something greater. Everybody say something greater. Always something greater. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. See, without Jesus, there's no real grace. There's no personification of grace. Grace doesn't have a face. But because of Jesus, grace has a face. And Jesus is the face of grace. There's a story tonight that I'm going to share. It wasn't a story tonight, but it was a story in the life of Jesus that I, that I believe tells a greater story than what's there. And most of us have heard this story in our lives, and it's in Luke chapter 5. And it says this, that one day that Jesus was teaching, and pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there so all these religious people showed up how I mean, you know when jesus shows up not just needy people show up but religious people show up and you know hypocrites show up all kinds of people show up right oh come on when jesus when when jesus shows up everybody shows up and so uh it says that they came from every village of galilee and from judea and jerusalem And I love this. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat tried to take him to the house and lay him before Jesus. But when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, because the crowd was so crowded, they went up to the roof of the house and lowered this man on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the ground right in front of Jesus. So they were like, we're going to make a way for this man, our friend, to get to Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, the corporate faith there, it wasn't just the faith of one man, but when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Whoa. Whoa. Then the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves. Notice that they were just thinking. It says this. They were thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus knew that knew what they were thinking and asked, what, wh- why, do you, why are you thinking these things in your heart? So Jesus, saying, Jesus didn't hear them saying this. They were thinking it in their heart, and Jesus picked up on it. And he says, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier for you to say? Your sins are forgiven? Or get up and walk. But that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up and walk. So Jesus asked them the question, he says, which is easier? Telling somebody your sins are forgiven? Or tell them get up and walk when they've been paralyzed all their life? So Jesus says, I'll just do both. <laughs> right? Don't you love Jesus? Yeah, I'll answer both questions. Both are great. I'll just do both. Love Jesus. Isn't that so good? Verse 25, immediately he stood up in front of them. This is talking about the the man that was paralyzed. Stood up in front of them, took what he had been laying on, his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God, and they were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. I love this story because this story puts a face to what grace is. It shows us Jesus. It shows us how Jesus functions. It shows us how Jesus operates. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a person that, that, that emulates Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. So if I'm going to be like Jesus, I'm going to study who Jesus is and how he is and how he rolls, right? So this is how Jesus rolls. Come on. People show up and people get healed. People that are religious get offended. That's what happens when Jesus shows up. People that are religious make accusations, right? So what do you think you're doing? Jesus says, I'm doing what I want to do. <laughs> meeting, meeting the needs that need to be met. But there's, there's five demonstrations of grace from this story that, that I want to share with you tonight. Five demonstrations of grace. Number one is this. Jesus is compassionate. Jesus cares. See, these men that were hanging out with their friend that day, they knew something about Jesus. They knew that Jesus was a man of compassion. Now, they probably didn't have the scripture that we have today. They definitely didn't have the scripture that we have today, where Jesus said five times that he had compassion. Five times. Jesus says, what? It, well, it says about Jesus that he was moved with compassion. See, five is the number of grace. That's what five is. That's the number. If you study numerology, you'll find that five. Is the number of grace. Five times we see in Scripture Jesus was moved with compassion. So these guys knew the reputation of Jesus. They knew if they could get their friend to Jesus that he would have compassion on him. Why else would they be so aggressive? I mean, would, would they dig through somebody's roof? I mean, they probably didn't have insurance, whoever's house it was in. Would, would they went and destroyed something that belonged to somebody else, do an unholy thing to get their friend healed if they didn't know that Jesus was compassionate? Absolutely, they knew that Jesus was compassion. Jesus compares. He is compassion. He's compassion personified. Come on. See, feeling sorry for this man would have only produced pity, right? When we feel sorry for our society, when we feel sorry for our world, all it does is produce pity. But when we have compassion, it produces change. When we have compassion, needs are met. Isaiah chapter 54, 10, Though the mountains be shaken, and the hills removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. When everything in your life is crumbling, when everything is difficult in your life, when everything seems to be falling, a pe- falling to pieces, there's one thing that's not, the love of God. His compassion does not fail. You will not be shaken. He says, you know what? Just because everything else around your life is crumbling, you won't, you won't crumble. You won't be shaken. Why? Because of his love. Not because you're loved, not because you're so devoted, but because of His, because of grace. You will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. God is compassionate, he is, he, and He is compassion-driven, not because we deserve His compassion, but because He is full of grace, because He is love. God is love, so God can't function outside of this realm called compassion. He has to be compassionate because it's who Jesus is. It's the face of grace. The second thing, the second way that that, that, uh, compassion, that grace is revealed is, is through, is because Jesus understands. Jesus gets it. See, Jesus, you know, kind of has, not only knows, like, what you're going through, he gets it. Like, he understands you know, it's like nobody knows. You guys have heard that song, right? The trouble I've seen, right? Nobody knows my song. Jesus knows, right? Come on, and Jesus understands. How many of you know this? One thing to tell somebody your issues that don't understand—you just don't understand, right? Have you ever said to somebody you're wanting, you just don't understand. But how many of you know when you talk to somebody that does understand, it helps. But it doesn't help when you talk to somebody. I don't understand. I don't understand. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sometimes people come to me, you know, I mean, being in ministry, people come to you. They're like, hey, this is going on. I just kind of, you know, something I've never been through, something I've never dealt with. I am just kinda okay, you know. So. So what I do, I start thinking about all the people that have gone through similar things. I say, well, hey, why don't you call Bryce? Because Bryce has been through that. Probably not, but maybe. And uh, so give Bryce a call, man. Bryce has been through some stuff. He can minister to you. So all of a sudden, I'm not just shoveling things off, but it's like you need somebody who's been where you're at to get you through what you're going through. Come on. You need Jesus with skin on, right? You need the Holy Spirit in somebody's life that's been there through experience, have gone through some of the things that you've gone through. So Jesus gets it. Now, it should be enough. It never is for us. Come on. It's never enough that Jesus just understands. But check this out. I want to encourage you. Jesus was afflicted with grief. You think that you're sorrowful? You think that you're discouraged? Jesus was afflicted with, with grief. That's intense. God grieved. Like, what does he have to be bummed out about? Right? Jesus was afflicted. With grief, it says Isaiah 53, verse 3, it says, He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows. One translation says a man of many sorrows and familiar with suffering. Listen, Jesus faced pain. He faced temptation. Jesus faced and still faces rejection every day. Every day people reject Jesus. I don't think that Jesus is... This sad Jesus, you know, when I first got saved, I thought Jesus was, like, really depressed all the time and, you know, hiding in a corner somewhere, you know, wearing a hoodie over his head, cutting. I kind of thought Jesus was depressed because, you know, everybody was going to hell in the world, most people except for me, of course, and uh, so I kind of had this image that Jesus was mostly bummed. The cool thing about Jesus is Jesus can, can deal with grief and rejoice in the same moment, So Jesus understands grief. He don't function out of grief. He functions out of compassion. Oh, a good word. Jesus is not going to do anything for you because he feels sorry for you. He's going to do something for you because he loves you and he's moved with compassion. So Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. The great key right there. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same things we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So Jesus understands. The third face of grace is that Jesus bears burdens. Be glad that Jesus bears burden. See, Jesus doesn't load you. And this is the problem that the religious people couldn't handle is because they were trying to burden people down with rules and regulations and say, well, you got to do this. And, you know, your sacrifice has to be exactly this size and you can only do it on this day. And it got to be like this. It's got to look just like a package. Like everybody, it's got to be exactly like this. And so people are walking around burdened and discouraged. And Jesus shows up and he's like, I came to set you free from all that. I came to set you free from the guilt, from the condemnation, from, from the suffering that you're going through. I came to bear your burden. So what Jesus did is Jesus shows up in this story, and he takes the burden away of not only the paralyzed man, but he takes the burden away of those friends that have been carrying him around. Now, I don't know how many times these guys have carried him around, but obviously they were friends, so they probably, don't oh, want to go to the market. And I'm sure the guy wanted to get out of the house, right? So the, what was he going to do? Get up and walk? No, he couldn't walk. Hey, will you guys come over? Hey, hey, can you go tell my friends to come over? So here they were, probably normal routine. I don't know how often, but these were guys that had a burden of their friend. They probably didn't see it as a burden because they were friends, but it was a burden. It was something that they had to do that was heavy on their life. Plus, they were burdened with the grief of their friend because they were good friends. They're like, man, this this is terrible that our friends like this. So they had this burden. So Jesus not only relieves the burden of the man, but he also relieves the burdens of his friends is because that's how Jesus rolls. I remember um, about three years ago, we were moving uh, from El Paso to Amarillo, and uh, we had this piano in our house. I think we got a piano. We had that piano. We had this piano. It looked like this. It's this big old. You guys have seen these wall units? And they weighed like hundreds of pounds. In fact, when we got it and we put it in our house, it took like four guys to pick it up and put it in our house. Well, we were moving, so we were downsizing. You've moved and you've downsized. You know what that's like. So we're putting stuff on Craigslist. And finally, we sold the piano. And uh, this guy comes into our house, you know, and I was like, I was like, well, you might want to bring some help. You know, we emailed him. You might want to bring some help. This piano really heavy. He's like, okay, whatever. So the guy shows up at our house and, you know, knocks on the door. And he's a soldier. There's a Fort Bliss there in El Paso. And he's a soldier, and he won the piano for his wife like, hey, yeah, come on in, you know, being all friendly and stuff, and and I said, um, I said, well, you know, I can help you, we probably need some more people, I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, how hard this thing was to get in, and he's like, oh, no, no, we can get it, we can get it, so I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> I don't want to get it, you know, I want like four people, this is a heavy, p- I mean, these things are heavy, if you've ever moved one, you know, like, how, what a burden it is to move this piano, so I'm just like, oh, man, okay, here we go, you know, you know, maybe you you know, maybe I can hire somebody with the money that you gave me to move it. You know, I just really wanted to get out of this. And so, anyway, I get get on the piano, and they have this handle. I don't even know what you guys have seen these wall these wall pianos. They have a handle on the back. I don't know why they have. I mean, like someone could really pick this piano up. I mean, they're like five or six hundred pounds. I don't know how heavy they. are. They might not be that heavy, but they're heavy and they're awkward. And so we're, you know, taking two steps and setting it down and picking it up and budging. And I could tell the guy's getting kind of irritated at me because, you know, I'm a weakling. And so I'm, you know, helping carry this piano, you know. And I'm not, like, really a weakling. But, I mean, this guy's, like, kind of, like, you know, get it in gear, dude. What's your problem? And so we get out there to his truck, and his truck's sitting there. And uh, he was just going to put it in the bed of his truck. Like, I was like, do you have a rope? No, 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 I don't have a rope or anything. I was like, uh, let me see if I have something, you know, I want to take good care of the piano. It was already out of tune and all kind of jacked up. And so he, he was like, I was like, well, here, let me help you get it up there. He's like, no, I got it. And the guy just reaches around the piano and grabs it. I mean, he wasn't big. He was just an average dude. And he's there. I and mean, he's smaller than me because I'm, you know, especially in El Paso, I'm a lot bigger than everybody there. And so this guy, like, reaches around and grabs this piano and picks it up. I'm not lying. He picks it up, and he sets it on on the tailgate, and then he just slides it in. And I'm going... Lord Jesus, <laughs> I'm like freaking out. I'm like, what is going on with this guy? You know, and he gets all, you know, and pays me the money and draws off. And I was just like, man, for like hours, I'm trying to figure out like, Lord, am I so weak? Or is this man just so strong? You know, it got me thinking, this is exactly what Jesus has done for us. He has come and taken a thing that we could never move. And he moves it completely. And he takes it far, far away where you never have to see it again. Never ever have to see it again. Jesus takes burdens, and I love what Jesus says. One of my favorite passages of Scripture. It says in Matthew chapter eleven twenty eight, He says, "Come to me, come to me all, come to me all of you who are weary, burdened. You that are weary and burdened, come on. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me." For I am gentle, humble, and You will find rest for your soul. My yoke, the thing that I'm going to put upon you, see. my burden, light. I'm not going to tell you tonight that Jesus doesn't have expectations for your life, because he does. But I'm telling you, when you come to you recognize that these expectations, they're not... They're not burdens. When you come to Jesus, he takes the burdens. I, I, used to think, I used to think that if you served God and you hated it, it made you more spiritual. Right? I hate serving God. I'm doing it. God called me to do it. I'm like, well, quit doing it. Just quit doing it because you're doing damage. God wants you to function out of a, a love-filled heart, a heart of gladness, a heart of pleasure. It doesn't mean that you're moved with emotion. Come on. But it means that you, in your heart, there is a big yes. 2 Corinthians 5.21. This is scene, the greatest thing that we have in our life, the greatest burden that we have in our life is sin. And not just the sin, because a lot of times we're good with the sin. We're like, okay, Jesus, you got rid of my sin. But the thing that we deal with is the thing that, that sin does to us. Because sin doesn't just separate you from God. It, like, jacks you up. That's the, the problem with sin is that it really messes you up. So what happens is we're walking around, like, 30 years later, and we're like, that like you still like you think about a sin that you committed, and you're like, I can't believe you did that. Right? You know what that's called? Shame. Or you walk around and you're oh, this happened to me, and no. It's called shame. Guilt is, is is the way that you feel about something you've done, but shame is about the way that you feel about who you are. What Jesus wants to do is he wants to change your identity that you don't feel that way anymore. That you don't have to approach him like this, oh God, here I am, a measly sinner. Come on, boldly. Come boldly. Number four, Jesus is always there. Jesus is always there. Uh, This week I was thinking about loneliness. I was going to minister on just being alone and this was going to be the whole thing. And I was just thinking about loneliness and man how loneliness is and you know loneliness is a miserable place we've all probably dealt with with feeling lonely right and i was thinking about this the week and i was thinking about it that 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 jesus was left all alone so i got on twitter and and i posted this i put jesus left on a cross to die alone lifeless left in a cold grave alone. The Son of God left all alone so that you never would be. See, Jesus took loneliness from you. He took it. He took loneliness from you. It doesn't matter how spiritual you are. You might be, you know, sometimes we think we're so spiritual we can't have issues like loneliness. Listen, Jesus came to take it all. So whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're struggling with, no matter where you're, what your level is, you know, <laughs> level 10 Christian Right, <laughs> you know, what I'm saying we're kind of like that. Well, if you're when I was a level two, I used to really struggle with depression. But now I got the joy of the Lord, and now I'm like a level nine. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're kind of like we're kind of stupid like that. Uh, the, the way that we think things are, you know, like we got some kind of rank, you know, in this thing. So we're 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 obsolete from issues. Sometimes the most popular people are the loneliness loneliest people. But Jesus took it all the loneliness he's always always available he is always there Isaiah 43 verse 1 says do not be afraid for I have ransomed you I have called you by name calls you by name that cool I remember when I was about eight years old I remember and this might seem kind of weird to some of you um, but I, I remember as a kid running around in my neighbor's backyard, and I heard someone call my name, John. I remember running. You know how the, the fences have the little, I call them a step, you know, the little thing that goes across the bottom of the fence, and you could step up on the step and look over the fence, you know what I'm talking about? I remember doing that because I was in my neighbor's backyard. I ran up, I looked over the step. you know, Went back and played some more. You know, about five minutes later, I heard, Josh. And this happened to me all the time when I was a kid, when I was like eight years old. And I'd be up and down the street, I'd hear, Josh, my name. There's probably another kid named Josh. but <laughs> So I remember asking my mom, were you calling me today? Were you trying to, no, 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 I wasn't calling you today. And about probably about six or seven years ago, we were in a worship setting. And I was just worshiping the Lord. And God just started downloading the song to me. And I'm just like, okay, what's going on? And God was like, remember when you were eight years old? I was like, not really. <laughs> no, I said, remember when you are eight years old and you used to hear your, your name being called? I was like, yeah, yeah, I remember that. He's like, that was me calling your name. I was like, dang. <laughs> I was like, so Jesus was calling me on it way, way, way before I ever thought about responding to it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But Jesus is calling your name. He knows your name. He is calling you out in a good way. Come on, he's not just, he's not just hating on you. You know, I you. God says your name, he says it with pleasure. He doesn't say it with frustration. I've called you by name, you are mine. When you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Jesus says, I am there with you. I am always there. Whatever you're going through, whatever the difficulty, I am there. I am there. The face of grace. And number five, last point here, Jesus says come. Just like we just read that scripture, he calls our name. Jesus says come. This is the face of grace. He's not calling you. He's not like paging you over the PA, you know, when you're in school. I Remember when I was a kid? I don't know if they do that anymore. They used to give spankings in school. Kids were better behaved back then too. And uh, I remember being in school and hearing over the PA Josh Brown, please come to the office. And we're thinking, oh, oh, no, they found out, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? All the things I've ever done, they know. And uh, I remember as a kid, I got called to the office a lot. And uh, so I remember one time getting, you know, paged. And I remember the feeling that I would have when I'd hear my name. You know, your heart's just there. You're doing your thing. You know, you might not be misbehaving at the moment. And all of a sudden you hear that, Josh Brown, to the office, please. Oh, dang, so when God calls your name, it's not like the principal over the PA going, "Bryce, come to the office." Right? He's not like, "Come on, we need to have a chat." Time for your weekly spanking. Licks is what we call them. Licks. Got three licks. <laughs> Such a weird name for that. Licks. <laughs> licks. Did y'all call them licks? Yeah. <laughs> Got three licks. <laughs> Great. How many licks does it take to get to? the... Okay So all right, this is what I love about this story. So these guys, here they are, back to the story. bring their friend in, they lower him down, they put him in front of Jesus. In Mark chapter four, the same story, it doesn't say some men, it says that there were four men. there were four men. there were four men that needed to get their friend to the fifth man. The personification of grace, they needed to get him, fifth man. They needed to get him, Jesus. Because Jesus was saying, not verbally, but because of compassion, because of his nature, he was saying, come all, come. John chapter 15, verse 13 says, greater love has no, no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. The great thing about Jesus is he takes us in our current state. Right where you are, we were out inviting people in the community this week. None of them were here tonight, or at least none of the ones that I talked to. And uh, I talked to a lady, and she was really interested. She's like, yeah, 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 okay, okay. Okay, and she's like, How do you guys dress? I was like, Well, you just kind of wear whatever. And she's like, Come as you are? I was like, Oh, yeah, come as you are. (laughs) And I was thinking, Oh, yeah, you nailed it. That's right, come as you are. And that's exactly how Jesus takes us, just as you are. The beautiful thing about Jesus, he doesn't leave us as we are. Come on, because we come weak. We come frail, we come fragile, we came broken, we come paralyzed to Jesus. And what does he do? What does he do? What does he do when we're in that situation? He says to us, and you know what he says? He five words. It's friend, sin, your sins are forgiven. See, Jesus calls you friend way before you say yes. He's saying, I want you, I want companionship, I want relationship with you, I want partnership with you. Then what does he do? Then he empowers us with grace. Then he works in us all that we are created to be. He works in us the glory of God. He works in us the miracle. Whatever the miracle that you need is, Jesus works it in you tonight, Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying come. This is our heart overflow. No secret. We're a new church. We're figuring this thing out. But our desire is that every person, our community, every person that comes to our services, that they would encounter the reality of Jesus. That's not just like a slogan that will put on printed material for people. But I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes it's not good enough to have just a scripture in my Bible that says you are not alone. That's just not enough for me sometimes. Sometimes I need to know, Jesus, I'm not alone. And not just because the Bible tells me so, and I was really good at children's church, so I got the scripture memorized. Or because I was so diligent and so studious that I memorized the scripture. Sometimes I just need to get before Jesus and He'll speak to me and He'll bring life and He'll bring reality to the things that I'm going through. Some of you would come in here tonight and you would have your five words that you would say to Jesus. You would say things like, I am not good enough, or I have done too much, or I've been through too much. Too much. And Jesus returns. Friend, sins are forgiven. Five words. Five words that change your heart. Five words that bring forth an encounter with Jesus. He says, you know what? Let's just get rid of all the stuff. Get rid of all the things that are hindering you. You're forgiven. Let's get rid of all of it.